everyone. My name is Danielle Lartigue, and I'm a housing counselor here with St. James Parish Government. Today, we want to do a podcast on fair housing, and we have Alana Cohen. She's an education coordinator with Louisiana Fair Housing Center, and she's going to give us some information on fair housing today. How are you doing today, Alana? Doing good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you tell us a little bit about um, yourself? Yeah. Um, so as you said, my name is Ilana Cohen. Um, I'm the education coordinator at the Louisiana Fair Housing Action Center. Um, the Fair Housing Center is a civil rights nonprofit that uh, works to end segregation and discrimination across Louisiana. Uh, and we do that in a few different ways. We have um, the main thing that we do is we provide free legal services for anyone who experiences housing discrimination. Um, but we also have a homeowner protection program to help folks who are going through foreclosure, um, who are worried about going through foreclosure. We have a certified HUD mortgage counselor who, again, will work for free um, to work with folks who are in that process and try to keep them in their homes. We have a policy department that works on passing laws um, that protect people in their homes. And then finally, we have um, our education and outreach department, which is what I do, as well as some other folks um, that just work on really making sure that communities know what their rights are in their housing and um, know that there are resources if you do experience housing discrimination. Okay, that's awesome. So um, do you only operate in certain areas or are you all over Louisiana? We are statewide. So um, anywhere in Louisiana, if you experience housing discrimination, uh, we can provide free legal services for you. Okay, that's great. So um, since today we're going to be talking about fair housing, could you tell me a little bit about um, the Fair Housing Act? What is it? Yeah, absolutely. So the Fair Housing Act is the law that our office uh, works under, and it's a federal law that was passed in April of 1968. Um, so it's a federal law, so that means like it protects all the United States. Um, and the law specifically is to fight against housing discrimination um, and segregation. Um, but the law, it's kind of interesting, was actually passed, um, it was passed in April uh, um, of 1968, it was passed on April 11th. And a little like interesting piece of history is that um, Dr. King's assassination was actually uh, just about one week exactly before this law was passed because he was um, assassinated on April 4th. And um, we always talk about the history of the connection between these two dates because um, you know, it's it, laws don't just appear out of nowhere. So, um, and one of the the realities of this law coming into being is that it was passed um, in part to honor Dr. King's legacy and the work that he was doing, because obviously he was a movement leader. He was working to end segregation and discrimination across the United States. Um, but one of the places he was really focusing on was housing, especially towards the end of his life when he had moved to Chicago. And one of the things he was really saying was that because housing dictates every other aspect of life. So for example, if you want to desegregate schools, but you know, where we, where we live dictates where we're able to go to school, then we're not going to be able to desegregate our schools until we desegregate our, our neighborhoods first. Right. Um, so he was really saying that, that segregation has, to, or excuse me, um, ending housing discrimination has to be one of the, the first things we do in order to desegregate our nation. Um, so that's just a, an interesting piece of history in, in general. Um, but in addition, you know, um, the other part that kind of plays a part in passing this law um, back in the 60s was the response to Dr. King's death and really the push from the community to have extra protections and extra laws passed that really demand um, equality and equity. And um, so it's, it's important to, 
to reference just that this law was also passed because of people and because of movements. Um, because like I said, laws don't just appear out of nowhere. They happen because of people and because of movements. Um, so I would just like to give that little tidbit also. <laughs> that was some good information. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know a lot of people don't really know about the Fair Housing Act and things that could protect them. So um, is everyone protected by the Fair Housing Act? Is it only renters or is it people who are trying to purchase homes? Could you explain a little bit about that? Like who's protected? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are a few different like specific housing transactions that are covered under the Fair Housing Act. Um, and those are rentals and sales, which are kind of like the two most obvious ones. But there's also homeowners insurance, mortgage lending, um, advertising, zoning, which is like city laws about what's allowed to be built where, um, and any harassment that people experience also during, um, during the length of either like um, their tenancy or when they're you know, looking for a house as a prospective um, renter or buyer. Um, and really the way, so the Fair Housing Act says that anyone is covered in those transactions and the way that um, they decide, you know, like if housing discrimination has happened is based on what they call like seven protected classes. So it's seven different categories that you could be discriminated. So it's illegal to discriminate against anyone based on their race, their color. Um, and sometimes we get questions about like why race and color are both in there. Um, and really it's just because we know that colorism exists, right? Um, and that has been used as a loophole for many generations to try to still discriminate against people based on their race. And um, we don't wanna, we wanna make sure to close up any of those loopholes. So race, color, religion, national origin or nationality, um, sex, family status, which is like if you have children, if you're pregnant or how many children you have, actually one of the most common forms of discrimination we see is a lot of folks being denied housing because they have children or because they have, you know, quote, too many children. Um, which is uh, which is usually illegal. Um, and then finally, the, the last category is disability. So, you know, across all the entire United States, um, those are the seven protected classes that you're not allowed to be treat treated differently because of one of those, um, one of those identities. Okay. All right. So I know you, you said which type of transactions, you already said that it was rental, but um, would commercial renting be covered under this? Or is it only because I I, know, I have a um, a friend of mine who she experienced some discrimination, but she was trying to rent a property for her. Um, she has like a she's an esthetician. Mm. So is that covered or is it only? Um, so, you know, it gets a little bit tricky, but generally speaking, what's covered is something that's considered a dwelling. And that's usually considered a, um, a residence that someone lives in. So okay. it doesn't usually can um, cover commercial uh, real estate, um, but you know sometimes people have uh, uh, you know businesses out of their homes and things like that. So um, so it is about where you live, but it um, you know okay. it is about yeah more residential areas, I guess. Okay. However, sometimes we do see issues with zoning where, like um, for example, if there is a um, a group home for people with disabilities or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen issues where cities will say, oh, that has to be in a commercially zoned area because it's a business. But in reality, it's a home for people to live in. And so it's really a benefit for them and the rest of the community for them to actually be integrated into the residential community and not segregated into a commercial zone that's like in a strip or something like that. 
So there are some areas where it gets a little gray, but for the most part, we're talking about um, residential areas or okay. residential um, homes. Okay, thank you for that. Um, so what should prospective homeowners know to keep an eye out for? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, like I said, anything in sales is, is covered under the Fair Housing Act. One of the most common forms of discrimination that we see in sales is a term that we call steering. Um, and steering is essentially exactly what it sounds like, where a realtor will take you to one neighborhood versus another based on where they think you should live. Um, and one example of this is it's actually a national example that happened in a place called uh, Westchester County. And Westchester County, it's in New York State, and it's right above New York City. So the county itself is fairly wealthy and it's predominantly white. However, there is one area inside of Westchester County that's um, called Terrytown. And Terrytown is a little more mixed income and it's predominantly Latinx. And um, so they wanted to, uh, so one of the things that our office does, I'll say, is we run a mystery shopper program where we'll see if people are being treated differently in housing transactions. So there's a national organization called the National Fair Housing Alliance, and they decided to, to do a similar mystery shopper program, um, what they call a tester program in Westchester County to see if people are being steered to one neighborhood or another. So they would send out these mystery shoppers, they would send out white mystery shoppers or white testers um, into Westchester County and um, to a bunch of different realtors. And when they would go to those realtors, unsurprisingly, the realtors would only show them the white neighborhoods, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when they would ask about Terrytown, when the white testers would ask about Terrytown, um, the realtors would tell them, oh, you know, you don't really want to live there. The schools aren't that good. So the white testers would go back home and then they'd send out, you know, Latino um, testers and those Latinx testers, unsurprisingly, were shown to Terrytown, right? <laughs> um, and then when the testers would ask, you know, what about schools in Terrytown? The realtors would tell them, oh, you know, the, the schools here are great. This is going to be the best place for your family. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that those realtors were giving different information to different people based on how they perceived their identities, right? Right. Um, so they were lying to people. They knew what they were doing. Um, you know, sometimes I do like to give realtors the benefit of the doubt. They might be, you know, thinking that they might be helping, even if they are, in fact, leading someone to one neighborhood or another. Um, one example of that is we had a client a while back who um, their family was looking to buy a house and they wanted to buy a house um, inside of Orleans Parish. And they said, you know, anywhere within the parish lines, we're, we're open to different areas. Now their family was um, Muslim and uh, they found that they were only being shown uh, houses close to a, a specific neighborhood amenity. I don't know if you want to give a guess of what that amenity might've been. Yes. <laughs> they were Absolutely. only shown close to a mosque, right? Right. Um, and, but like, that's not what the, that's not what our client said to their realtor. They didn't, you know, they didn't ever say that they wanted to live close to a mosque. They said anywhere in Orleans Parish. But I do like to think that the realtor might have thought that they were helping. Like, you know, they're like, this is going to be perfect for your family. You're going to be able to, your kids are going to go to religious school. You're going to be in the heart in the com of your community. This is going to be really great for you, right? right. Um, but just like how we were talking about in like the history of fair housing, the reality of housing is it's not just about the four walls around us, but it's also about these access points to every other aspect of life, Right. Right. So when we're talking about like this particular family, we don't know if living close to that mosque meant that they were farther away from their work or if they were farther away from like 
a good school for their kids to have a good education or where they were, or if they need to have close access to a hospital or things like that. Right. right. Um, so, so that's one example also of like, you know, it could, it can be mis misinformed intention can still be discrimination. So it doesn't actually matter if discrimination was intentional. It only matters that discrimination happened. So that's one of the most common things that we see in home buying. Um, but, you know, there's also things to keep an eye out for in the context of like mortgage lending or um, homeowners insurance or things like that. And oftentimes what we find is that a lot of it is caught up in um, just really customer service, like basic customer service. And what I always tell folks is that, you know, the reality is, is if you think that someone is making your life harder um, or like making the process harder of buying your home. So whether that's like uh, a mortgage, um, a mortgage agent who is not giving your, you phone calls back or is not answering your questions or is, um, you know, asking for like repeated information. And you're like, I think I already gave you this, you know, why do you keep needing these things? Um, that kind of thing. That's like what we call the runaround where they're not necessarily saying no, but they're making it pretty much impossible for you to go through that process. And we see that in every single one of these transactions, you know, from rentals to um, homeowners insurance, right? We always see that people are like having obstacles put in front of them. Um, so if you ever feel like someone is in your home buying process, like not treating you the way that they should or not giving you the customer service that they should, then I mean, two things. First of all, get a new realtor, get a new mortgage agent, right? Get a new insurance agent because you do want someone, especially for first-time homebuyers, who's going to be able to be a resource for you and really going to be able to, to help you through that process. Um, but the other thing is to give our office a call because, um, you know, we like I said, we do run this mystery shopper program so we can actually investigate those realtors or um, those mortgage companies or those insurance companies and see if it's a pattern and see if people are being treated differently based on their identities. Um, so, you know, it really is important to know that we are here as a resource for folks. Okay. Cause that's what I was going to ask next. What should you do if someone experienced discrimination, but you said that they would reach out to your office. Um, yeah. I think the situation that you were saying about um, the clients that um, went to that they were trying to um, purchase a home, around the mosque. I don't even mm -hmm. think that I would have taken that as discrimination. So I think that it's good that that was noted that that, that could be counted as discrimination. But what normally happens to, um, I guess, the agency that's reported? Like, do they get in? Like, do they close yeah, down? Yeah, great like, question. What happens? So it really depends. So um, it all, it depends on a lot of different things. So our job in our office is first of all to you know listen to the client and figure out like what they want to have happen and then figure out like what the capabilities of the law are. So it kind of depends on each individual situation, but a lot of things can come out of it. Um, oftentimes uh, we'll see you know finance people will get money, they'll get, have financial settlement settlements um, as part of you know the law lawsuit process. We had a client a while back who um, her and her partner experienced racial discrimination and is. Um, with the money that they got from the settlement, they were actually able to put a down payment on their new home. Um, so, it, you know, it, it can be it can be a lot of money potentially. Um, but, you know, sometimes we'll see that um, some in really extreme cases, a judge may decide that that housing provider, whether that's a realtor or whoever it is, um, is not fit to actually do their job anymore. 
those are in really extreme cases. So it can happen. But sometimes, you know, um, realtors will have to like go through more extensive for housing processes where like trainings and things like that, where they have to really make sure to know all of all of their stuff. Um, Because unfortunately, there's not there's often not enough fair housing training so that, you know, realtors may not know like we talked about. Um, So to pick up where we left off, I think you were stating that sometimes um, those realtors will have to go back to more training. Um, right. If they get, I guess, get too many p- complaints. Yeah. So sometimes they'll have to go back for more training, get extensive fair housing training. Um, you know, sometimes the reality is that you need all you need is like someone with a fancy law degree to write a letter saying all of the things that you've already been saying and kind of give your um, housing provider a little bit of an extra push in the right direction. Right. Um, so there are a lot of things can come out of the fair housing process. And it really just depends on what, you know, the person as the client, what they're looking for in terms of um, what justice means to them and, and then what the capabilities of the law are. And our office is there to kind of help you through that process because the reality is that law processes are very confusing and they are tricky and um, they're not necessarily um, obvious, right. Or, or easy to go through. So our hope is to really help you through that process to get you the justice that you deserve. Okay, and so what if someone listening to this podcast realized that they've been discriminated against maybe a year ago? How long is it that they can go back and say, you know? Yeah, Um, great question. So there are two different ways to make a fair housing complaint. The first is that you can make a complaint with HUD, which is Housing and Urban Development. That's the, you know, federal branch of government that's supposed to help with housing discrimination. And, um, they, if you decide to make a complaint with HUD, you have one year from the time discrimination happens in order to make that complaint. Um, if you make a complaint, or you can also, excuse me, you can also do a state or federal lawsuit. And if you decide to do that, you have two years from the time discrimination in order, from the time discrimination happens um, in order to make that complaint. So, you know, we always say that a year or two might seem like a long time, but it goes by really, really fast. So, if you do think that anything might have happened, even if you can't like put your finger on it and you're just like not exactly sure, but something feels a little funky, right? Like go ahead and follow that intuition because oftentimes, you know, we can't necessarily, or we as individuals can't necessarily say whether we're being treated differently. Like we don't, we can't hold the proof in our hands. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can, but not always. But, but you know, that's our job to prove that it was happening and to, and to make sure that there, that there was, you know, discrimination happening. And so if you if you just have that intuition, you have a funky feeling about what's going on, um, you should give our office a call because, um, right away. So that way we have the most amount of time to, to do a little investigation and see if it might have been housing discrimination or not. Okay. Well, you gave us a lot of information today and a lot of stuff, like I said, a lot of people don't even realize that they've been discriminated against. So I know that this would help. Um, do you mind giving us your contact information so, you know, people listening, if they feel like they've been discriminated against, they can contact yeah. you or your agency? Absolutely. Gladly. So um, you can always go to our website, which is LAFairHousing.org, um, or you can call us um, on the phone at 877-445-2100. Um, and those are probably your two best ways to, to get in touch with us. Um you can always email info at lafairhousing.org is the other way. 
Um, or if you just type us into Google, we'll come up. So <laughs> you don't have to remember all the specifics. But um, yeah, please do contact us. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ms. Alana. And um, we will be in contact with you. If, any, if, anyone has any if anyone has any questions, you can contact um, us or you can contact, um, you can use that contact information that Alana gave you. Well, thank you again for your time, Alana. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, goodbye. All right.